0: She's a former Bollywood actress, a model, and an activist. Eleven years ago, she created the nonprofit No More Tears Foundation, which helps victims of domestic violence and human trafficking. Her inspiration to help others comes from wanting to make a difference, but also because she is herself a victim at a very young age. Somia Lee. Welcome to EVA Talks. Let's start by you sharing with our audience, what is the work that you do with No More Tears?
1: So I started No More Tears in 2007, and the mission was to assist and empower victims of domestic violence. However, with South Florida being number three with human trafficking, it permeated from domestic violence to human trafficking victims. Um, what No More Tears does is we're the second responders. So crime happens. Get a call from the FBI agent, Somi. We have a 19-year-old human trafficking victim. Um, she has no, nowhere to go. She needs this, 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 this. So we're the second responders. I go in, put her in a motel, safe space, fi- find an immigration attorney. If she's undocumented and she's a victim of human trafficking, she's eligible for the T1 visa. Um, get her food, clothing, basic needs, um, help her find a job, get her into therapy. Every single possible service you can think of under the sun, or No More Tears provides
0: to victims. It, it's so difficult for people to talk about domestic violence and human trafficking, specifically the first one. And then we can talk a little bit more about human trafficking because it, it hits so close to home, why do you think, and, and I know that you know a lot of people from the community, why do you think it's so difficult for people to talk about it, even families, even, even survivors, e- even your friends? We don't know how many people are going through this. Mm-hmm. Because there's a stigma attached to it. And as a society, I think we tend
1: to victim blame. And the biggest question that everyone has asked me in 11 years of doing No More Tears, why couldn't she leave? The amount of times, if I had a dollar for the amount of times I've been asked, why couldn't she leave? There are so many reasons why a victim can't leave, and this is the problem: why people don't want to talk about domestic violence because there's an immense amount of stigma and victim blaming, which really, really saddens me and also infuriates me to no end. We, as a as a society, need to change our mindset. We cannot blame the victims; it's not their fault we need to get educated about it there's so many i can i can name a gazillion reasons why a victim can't leave so so unless and until our mindset has changed as a society and we stop blaming and judging victims there's always going to be people that are going to be reluctant to talk about domestic violence
0: and i think that we are taught in school a lot of things math english history but we should be taught something that is emotional intelligence mm-hmm. And really dealing with issues like this, because I think that if, like you say, we educate from a very young age, we give it importance. I mean it's not enough to say we don't use violence when we react about something um, or that violence is not permitted, but until it's official. It's in a calendar. It's part of an academic curriculum. I think that nothing is going to change nothing because is going to change. it's like going on a diet. mm-hmm. Uh, how I mean, how many people go to nutritionists and nothing happens? They right. go
1: back at it. Yeah, you have to make a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. It has to be implemented in your lifestyle. And and unfortunately, the, the 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 sad part is that the survivor, the victim herself or himself, feels ashamed of of being abused, which is so sad that when you have been um, wronged against, you have been hit or raped, or sexually abused, or beaten, or whatever. You feel embarrassed to talk about it. How sad is that? And it's sad that we as a society are responsible for it.
0: And nothing changes until you go through it. Like if only when it happens to you, to your daughter, to somebody close to you, that's when we get upset and we want change. But we have to create change before. I always think, if it happens to me, Mm -hmm. how many people that I know would really uh, understand it or not be judgmental. How many would say, well, why were you out at one o'clock in the morning? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Why were you running at 6 a.m.? Why does that make a difference? Why were you wearing Why were you, why wearing, you this? wearing certain yeah. things? And I think that I put myself in that situation and I wonder what would I do? What would I do if I'm in a relationship and suddenly there is some type of violence, whether it's emotional, verbal, a type of violence, right? I don't know what I would do, mm-hmm. and I think that at that moment, well, maybe I can call you mm-hmm. and know that I, I can reach out. But it should be easier. It should be easier that we can call people closer to us. Mm-hmm. And without fear of judgment. Without fear of judgment, which yep. I think is the first thing. I mean, yes, you call the police if something happens to you, but how much that resolves if you have financial issues, mm-hmm. if you depend on your on your spouse, if, or your boyfriend or girlfriend, because abuse doesn't respect gender.
1: Nope. So it, it has happens. no prejudices. Mm-hmm. It affects everyone.
0: So tell us a little bit about you, because I think what's incredible is that I'm sitting in front of you. You're beautiful, confident. Um, passionate about what you do. And nobody would believe seeing you that you were also a victim of abuse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so great about your story and why you can help so many people and inspire them is because you're not talking about this from far away. You went through this. Tell us a little bit more about that. So um, I was
1: born in Pakistan, uh, raised Muslim. And the first time I was sexually abused, I was five years old by a cook, a house help in the house. And he took me to serve in his servant quarters. And he exposed himself. And there, there were three incidents of sexual abuse. Then again, when I was nine in Pakistan, there was another incident of sexual abuse. What What is horrible about all of this is that i was told by my father to not tell anyone that another man touched me because in the islamic culture in the muslim culture now i am impure because another man has touched me so i was told at the age of five do not tell anyone about this because no one will marry you because now you're impure when i moved to the u.s when i was 12 years old at the age of 13 i was going to north miami school and a 17-year-old boy took me to a park, and I was a victim of brutal rape. And I went to the court, there was a trial, there was a hearing, um, and my half-sister was raising me at the time, and she said, do not tell anyone that this happened to you because nobody wants to be with someone who's been raped. So the sad part in all of this is, I felt for years as a victim that I did something wrong. That, that I was five years old. I sh- maybe I shouldn't have gone in the servant quarters. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. I was a child. But it took me 40 years to realize that none of those things were my fault. And, and it's, it has a lot to do with the culture I come from, the society I grew up in, the household I grew up in, the religion
0: I grew up in. All of that plays a key role in all of this. You know what's uh, interesting is that I'm hearing you and then I'm thinking about one situation where I had something medical, was very young, 27, 28, and the doctor said, you have to prepare yourself for maybe not having kids. And I was like, fine, doctor, I feel so sick that I need this resolved. And he was like, but what are you going to do? I mean, you, in terms of what? In terms of marriage? In t- I was like... I mean, if a man doesn't love me, mm-hmm. if I'm in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. why should I be with that man? Right. So even in a, in, in a more open society mm-hmm. uh, where religion is not an issue, the concern of the doctor, it wasn't bad, I'm not judging him, but the concern of the doctor was, well, be a little worried because if you don't have kids, it could be an issue. And listening to you, it's kind of where we have to remove that judgment and those stereotypes, and understand that the most important thing is that we're safe. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about human trafficking, because what well, you've been telling me about what's happening in our neighborhood. Right. Okay, this is not happening far away, in mm-hmm. a faraway land. No. And by the way, you came from a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. So let's not only assume that domestic violence is just for the underprivileged or for a certain economic situation, it can happen. It happens.
1: It happened to With my mother. Very
0: educated people. Yes. And my father is extremely wealthy,
1: extremely influential. We grew up in a 26-bedroom mansion in Pakistan. It happened to my mother. It happened to all my mom's rich friends that would come over. So-and-so fell down these the stairs. That euphemism is universal. Right. It happened to me when I was in India, in Bollywood, when I was dating. He's the Brad Pitt of Bollywood. Um, I was from 16 to 24 and I was physically and verbally abused by him. I was a child when I started dating him. This is the first time that I've said that. This is the very first time in my life that I have told anyone uh, as far as a media interview or an interview is concerned. I've talked about it in my book, but for years I kept it a secret. I didn't talk about it. It was a very volatile, uh, abusive relationship. Again, I felt shameful. I felt like I did something wrong. Why didn't I leave? I was a kid. I didn't know. Um, I went to India because I had a crush on him and I went to marry him, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. At 16, you leave America and go to a country where you don't know anyone Mm -hmm. and you try to find an actor to to marry because you watched a movie and you had a crush on him. So when I did find him and when I did start modeling and acting and I did, did get in a relationship with him, I couldn't understand the fact how the fairy tale was so horrible, how the fairy tale ended so poorly, because he was supposed to be great. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to marry him. Mm -hmm. I was a child. You were a child. So, you know, it's just, it's everywhere. It has no prejudices. And then when I started No More Tears, I realized... No, it's not just India and Pakistan and Mm -hmm. Muslim and and Arab. And it's everywhere, Mm -hmm. everywhere. I have women from Ukraine, from from Russia. I have women from Czechoslovakia. Nobody wants to tell
0: people because they're embarrassed because of the stigma. So it happens Mm -hmm. to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to, to create this environment, and not only in an organization, but within your friends, It's okay to talk about it and it's okay to start having that conversation. You obviously felt that it was okay for people to do that to you Mm -hmm. because nobody had defended you. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, when we're kids and something happens to us, which is wrong, if a teacher does something wrong to us, even as simple as give us a grade we don't deserve, we deserve something better, we need our parents, we need an authority to tell them don't do that. It's called justice. Mm -hmm at every level, Mm -hmm. so once you don't receive justice, it's like you are target for anything else.
1: Also, when you're living in a country like India or Pakistan, and I was in Bombay, and Mm -hmm. and, um, I was not the only one who was uh, uh, dating an actor and an actor myself that was being abused. There was a lot of domestic violence in the film industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately, this is, I'm talking about 1991, this was the norm. In the Mm -hmm. 90s, back in India, there's abuse still. Not much has changed in South Asia. Not, the, the the victims that we rescue, 68% of the victims that we work with for human trafficking and domestic violence and rape and sexual abuse are Hispanics. And this is, of course, because we're in Miami. Right. But, but you know, there's the machismo mentality. Mm-hmm. So it exists
0: everywhere. Or the culture of hushing it. Mm-hmm. Let's not talk about it. Yeah. Because also many people feel probably trapped. And trapped not because you have to rescue them, but trapped because they don't know better. Mm -hmm. This is what they're used to. This is what's the norm for them. Right. My mom was abused, so I'm abused. Mm -hmm.
1: And my daughter's going to be abused. That that mindset has to change. Mm -hmm. We have to do something about it and change that mindset.
0: We need to educate. We need to make sure that people believe it, but also that women and men Mm -hmm. have a way out. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by a way out is that you and I were talking about this, mm-hmm. and we need to have more conversations like this. And if I have a friend or somebody who's listening right. who wants to reach out and wants to talk about it, mm-hmm. nobody's going to judge that person, and nobody's going to talk about them. But sometimes just a cup, cup of coffee mm-hmm. to give perspective, you know, mm-hmm. that there's a way out somehow. Of course. Or, or just saying no in your head and changing. Right. Let's talk about going back to human trafficking. Sure. Because what's shocking to me is that here we are thinking we live in this safe hub, mm-hmm. uh, we live in our communities, mm-hmm. and we feel that we're immune to the horrible things of the world. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, around us, neighborhoods, they are predators, they are really sick people, mm-hmm. even families of the victims that are abusing this young kids Mm -hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that so human trafficking
1: is the largest criminal enterprise after drug trafficking and it is the the most rapidly growing industry it brings in 155 billion dollars every year why because you cannot reuse drugs but you can reuse people and that's why it's growing so quickly. Miami, South Florida is number three when it comes to human trafficking. In the U.S.? In the U.S. That's a big number. It, and that's huge. We have a huge problem here. We have people that are brought from Nicaragua, from Costa Rica, from every country in the world that are
0: brought to the U.S. and they're sold. Is it mostly from Latin America that's in Miami? For
1: No More Tears, it has been. It has been. 68% mm-hmm. is, is, is Hispanics.
0: Mm-hmm. Now
1: we have the, the youngest victim that we had was two. I told you about that. The, yeah. the two-year-old was sold on the dark web and people were paying money to watch men commit sexual acts against this two-year-old girl. Um, We have victims as young as 14, 12, 11, boys that are as young as 10. What are they doing? They are kids that are abused at home, sexually or physically. They run away. They end up in the hands of these pimps. Also, social media plays a pivotal role in luring kids into human trafficking. So any, any of my friends that have children, I say, please, please monitor their social media. It's very dangerous out there. We had a young girl. She was 13. She had a fight with her mom. She posted it about about it about it on Facebook. Some woman that wo- works as a recruiter for the PIM started talking to this girl and said, "You know your mom is being mean to you," and started comforting her. Started mm. becoming friends with her. She said after six months, she said, "Why don't I come pick you up at 3 a.m. tonight? Oh, wow. Get a backpack ready. I'll come and get you." The girl at 3 a.m. meets her outside the house. Uh, with her backpack, she's taken to a motel by this woman. When she enters the room, there's a, a pimp standing there, and he beats the crap out of this kid. Then he injects her with heroin. Then to break her in, while she's drugged, four men rape her. Then she's taken from, from Miami to North Carolina, to South Carolina, to this place, to that place, and she is trafficked for four years until she's rescued by, by the uh, FBI. So this is happening every day. We had a girl from Nicaragua that was brought from when she was 16 until she was 26
0: she was trafficked in a house in North Miami. She I was mean, sold. North Miami. I mean it's, it's right around it's here. It's right here. Why it is what are the biggest challenges I mean for the authorities to track these people? What is I mean because they're out there. I mm-hmm. mean they're obviously mobilizing and This is happening on the web. Of course, we know that the web is so dangerous because it offers the anonymity of... of, It could be anyone at the other end. You don't know who you're talking to. But uh, what can people do? I mean, what are the signs if you live in a neighborhood and you see something suspicious in a home? I'm not saying to get into trouble with anybody, but... uh, I'm just saying, reporting it is just reporting it. The 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 place the web were, is anonymous. You can right. also be
1: an anonymous right reporter. Reporter, but but the problem is that human trafficking is taking place in motels. It's taking place in apartment buildings. It's taking place in hotels. The problem is that these hotels and these motels and these apartment building owners should be held responsible.
0: They should be penalized for for what what they're doing because
1: they're allowing it to happen. I I was mentioning earlier before we started recording about a survivor. Her name is Vanessa. She's open to share her story. She is um, trying to sue an apartment building Mm -hmm. that allowed her, the owner allowed her to be trafficked for two years in that Mm -hmm. building. So we need to, we really, really need to get involved, look for signs, especially the flight attendants. There are flight attendants that are being trained now in American airlines, flight attendants are being trained to spot signs of human trafficking. There was recently an article, I forget which airline it was, but the flight attendant could tell that there was a 14 year old child and something was wrong. And it was a human trafficking victim and that flight attendant rescued that
0: child. I'm so happy you're saying that because I was on a flight from Peru to Mexico City mm-hmm. and I was sitting in business class and there was only me and, and a couple. Mm-hmm. And it was an Asian couple and I started realizing that he, was, he wouldn't allow her to eat. Mm-hmm. And he was asking her to write things and Mm -hmm. it was certainly an abusive. It was very obvious. It was very obvious. At one point in the flight, I couldn't take it anymore. So I walked up to the the front and I uh, told the flight attendants, I mean, this is happening. Mm -hmm. He has told you she should not get food. Mm -hmm. She's not eating in a six-hour flight. Mm -hmm. Do something. Right. The pilot should do something. Th- right. This has to be reported. This has, at least so that he knows that this is wrong. Yeah. And people educated. are watching. But you know what they said? I was shocked. We cannot get involved in the wow. passengers. Wow. And I was like, you can't, why, why can't they get involved? Because he was not hitting her. He, he was, you know, do right. we have to get to that level. So the thing is, when is a crime committed? Is it a crime committed only when you've been raped, uh, hit, taken to a hospital, beaten to death. What is the limit? It's, it's, it's horrible. And this psychology and this, this
1: mindset where people stay silent, that's the worst abuse in the world. When you do not want to get involved. Look, I believe if you're blessed a little, it is your duty to get back. That's my philosophy in life. And, and you have to get involved. These yeah. are children's lives that are being destroyed. Why don't the, the victims... The victims can't leave that are trafficking victims because the pimps are on, the, on top of them. They are watching their every move. Also, what are they doing? They're threatening them with having their, their grandmother killed in Costa Rica. They're threatening them with having their mother and their father murdered in Venezuela. This is all happening. When you speak with Vanessa, she'll tell you about that. They, one of the, the human trafficking victims, they started by murdering her dog. They cut right. up her dog right. and, and threw it in front of her. And this is, there's genuine, le- legitimate fear that you can lose your loved one. You can lose your child. If you have a child, they'll
0: kill your kid. They'll threaten you. I mean, this is very dangerous. This is, a, obviously, there's two sides. So there's a business mm-hmm. making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are getting very wealthy out of, of this. And then there are the predators and those that are the audience, the ones that watch Mm -hmm. and consume, and both have to be punished at the same level, and anyone that gives them an opportunity to do this. Now we talk about reporting it of course many people would say well you know i'm a parent and imagine that anybody can think that maybe my my son is black and i'm white or you know the perceptions of people right. or or that i look a certain way or i reprimand my child or my child is crying what are the signs are there is there anything so that we don't make the mistake of reporting things Mm-hmm. That are just our own prejudice.
1: Well, typically when, when you see a human trafficking victim with an, with an adult and it's a, it's a teenager and if the child has zero eye contact okay. and is looking down, is looking weak. Mm-hmm. Is looking like they haven't eaten in days. Is mm-hmm. looking just malnourished. Like you, there's so many signs. And that's why when that flight attendant, I was so happy that she was able to that's make incredible. that distinction yeah. mm-hmm. um, again. And, and it's the same thing. Look, if I'm in Walmart and I'm shopping and I see a man slapping a woman... I'm Mm going to go up there and get involved. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get involved. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. If I see someone slapping or beating their child, I'm going to get involved. I don't Mm -hmm. care what the mother says to me. Mm -hmm. But not just because I run a nonprofit, but because I'm a human being Mm -hmm. that cares about other people. So it is our duty. You have to get involved. Go online. Google signs of human trafficking. They're, They're free seminars. They're free trainings. As a society, we have to get back. We have to do something. This is
0: our Mm -hmm. home. And also we need to educate, you know, the new generations, the young generations. We need to educate them Mm -hmm. at home that this is not right. Mm -hmm. And it has to be something that, that we believe and it's not just just people that come from broken homes. Right there, there,
1: there was a girl. Um, it's a, it's a book called "Slave Across the Street." It's about a girl that grew up in an, in a very wealthy home in Birmingham, uh, Michigan. And what she did is, in school, she dated a guy. She thought he was a good guy, and she had sex with him. Someone took photos of her having sex with a the guy. Mm-hmm. Then she started getting threatened that they're going to send them to her parents, who was a politician. And they were going to send them to her church. Out of the fear, she was 15. Out of that fear, she became a sex trafficking victim. They sold her for four years based on those photographs. And they kept telling her, we'll give them to you. We'll give you the pictures. She was a very wealthy girl. So mm-hmm. it has no prejudices. It doesn't matter where you come from. It right. does not matter. They find your weaknesses. They look for vulnerable girls. They look for girls or boys. You know, a lot of people, we don't talk about boys enough. Mm -hmm. Boys are victims of human trafficking as well. So we really, really need to get it. This is our home. Mm -hmm. This is happening to children. You're creating, you're somehow contributing to creating broken adults. Mm -hmm. You're creating damaged goods and you are contributing to that. You have to have to get involved.
0: Totally. I I totally agree with you. It's incredible what you're doing. How has the Me Too movement uh, helped? the conversation, or has it helped? I think it's very important what's happening, and I and I, I really
1: pray that it doesn't fizzle off. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that we're in a, in a very pivotal time in our society right now, because I can talk about over 500 Me Too movements that I've had personally, because I've also lived in countries like India, Pakistan, and the US, and there's always been some sort of sexual abuse. There's been always some sort of thing that's been inappropriate, Um, whether I'm working with an officer or a judge or whatever, it doesn't matter. There's always been some sort of incident. So this is a very pivotal time for us as women. And I, I see it changing. I I think it is time's up. I think Mm -hmm. it is enough. We are done. And, and for, as far as equal pay, equal rights, no more abuse. This is it. We're living in that, in that era. And I'm so happy about it. This is very important. People are now talking about sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Also, let's switch a little to what happened in Parkland mm-hmm. with, the, with the guns, mm-hmm. with the shooting. We are helping Anthony Borges, the mm-hmm. families from Venezuela. Anthony Borges was shot five times because he became a human shield to protect his, his students, his friends in school. Um, Broward County School Board raised a certain amount of money over 2 million. The family still hasn't had access to it. So no more tears in the past 10 days has raised over $24,000. And we've given the check to Emily Borges, Anthony Borges, his mother. we need to, to bring change. We need to talk about this stuff. This is, it's very, very important. Unless we talk about it, unless we do not eliminate the
0: stigma, these issues will continue. They right. will keep going you don't receive a salary no nobody from the organization receives a salary we have no staff you have no staff you work out of home mm-hmm. um you everything goes to the work of helping mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. victims somebody's listening and i hope that they do and and they do something about it how can they help get on the website nomoretearsusa.org
1: and donate we're a unique nonprofit we're the only nonprofit Where hundred percent goes to the victims, to the service, the services providers, like the, the victim services programs is where the money goes. The immigration attorney, the divorce attorney, the therapist schooling. I'm very emphatic on getting the the victims in school. I don't expect them to get a master's degree with what they've been through, but they can go to nursing school. They can become a home health aid nurse, take care of the elderly. Um, You want to do cosmetology? We'll pay for it. You want to go to a nursing school? We'll pay for it. You cannot just give them a bunk bed in a shelter. That does nothing. Not to undermine shelters. I'm not being Mm -hmm. disrespectful to shelters, but you need to give them the tools. You have to teach them how to fish. And, And we need, we survive on donations. We need the funding. And again, It's a rare charity where 100% goes to the victims. Now, people must be thinking, okay, she's the founder and the president. How does she live? (laughs) Right. So my answer is I live off of $5,500 a month from three rental properties, Mm -hmm. which I bought after my work in India as an actor. So this is what I live off of Mm -hmm. because people are always like, well, how do you live? So, So that's my answer. I'm very transparent with that. Also, we're very transparent with where our funding goes. The money we raise for Anthony, Anthony's mom and dad have the name, the email, the phone number of every donor that donated online so they can call them, um, and thank them. And, you know, they know how much money has been raised. So we're a very transparent nonprofit. Um, God forbid if I'm in dire need of funds. My father is still very well off, <laughs> so I don't need a salary. If there's an emergency, I can always call my dad. Um, I obviously haven't done so, and I don't need to do it, thank God. But but this is a, it's a unique model, and No More Tears needs the funding, and we really need
0: people to get involved and donate. Wow. You know what, a message to everybody is that, okay, donate $20, $10, $5, do what you can. If you can more, that's wonderful. But also think about all the ways that you can help. And I I say this because some people that I know will shrug it off as, yes, we want to protect victims and it's so sad and what a terrible story. But they are the first ones not to have compassion. Mm -hmm. And so what I want is that if one of these girls that have gone through so much or boys Mm -hmm. end up in your office asking for a job and they tell you the story, don't judge them. Don't look at them like a specimen from a movie Mm -hmm. because they are not, you know, from that. They're real. And that can happen to you. And that can happen to your grandchild. And that can happen to a future generation, to somebody close to you. So don't judge them. Open them, you know, receive them with open arms and have that generosity because i think the conversation also changes when we start looking at them as normal people that as human beings human beings that, that have been victims yeah, of
1: crime i had a victims. human i have a, a sex trafficking victim that called our crisis line when i answered the phone she said why are you being so nice to me everyone has just called me a prostitute and wow. no one has offered to help me i was shocked i right. couldn't believe it so and and also look you, you can give five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. If 10,000 people are giving $10 a month, it helps us sustain the nonprofit. Right. You can give toothpaste, sanitary napkins. You can give household go- uh, items. There's so many ways. You can give toys. When I meet a sexually abused child that's five, the first thing I do is give him a toy or her a toy, and the smile that they have is, is just priceless. So there's so many ways. Go on our website, click on how you can help. Or how you can volunteer. And there's a list of drives that you can do. It doesn't always have to be financial. Gift cards. You know when you apply for food stamps. It takes a month. Or even over a month. What are you supposed to eat in the interim? Mm-hmm. So give us public gift cards. Give us Target gift cards. Walmart gift cards. There's a number of ways to help. But do something. It really, really is important. It is your is you're paying rent to be here in this
0: world. If you're blessed. It's your duty to give back. Right. And it feels good, by mm-hmm. the way. Of course. It, my motto in life is that, yes, you can. And, and it sounds very simple. Sometimes I think that I should have said, no, mm-hmm. I can't. Right. But <laughs> yes, you can. It sounds right. really great. Right. And it's very simple because you can do anything in life, I believe. Right. That you can do that. if you. And, and it's hard. There are days that you don't want to do anything or mm-hmm. you feel that a little bit down. You feel mm-hmm. that maybe you can't do anything. Right. Uh, but picking up yourself together and demonstrating that you can do it is amazing what what does that mean to you that yes you can
1: I think what I do is very selfish for me personally because it's very therapeutic because in every child that was abused that I'm helping I see myself and my brother because we were both victims of sexual abuse and physical abuse in every woman I see my mother so it's very therapeutic for me to to do this work And I feel very privileged and blessed that I can get up every morning and do this and not get a dollar for it. I love that. I Mm -hmm. absolutely love the fact that I don't have to take a salary for this Mm -hmm. work. And this is the only thing that makes me happy. It literally makes me so happy. I feel like I was born, this was my purpose. I was born to get up and help people. I was abused as a child. I was abused as a teenager in my relationship. And I try to extrapolate all of the bad that I try to extrapolate the good from all the bad that happened. And this is the best way to live life that you, you stop dwelling in self-pity, stop dwelling that I dropped that trait feeling sorry for myself. When I was 25, I dropped it. I was like, it's not, no, one's going to come to my pity party. (laughs) It doesn't work and do something about it. Help others. It makes you feel so good. It's the best feeling for me. I can't think of doing anything else
0: aside from this work. And I can't think of anything else that you should be doing. And you're in a healthy relationship right now, yes. by the way. Yes. So for all out there that think that the world has ended, it hasn't. Life continues. Thank you so much, Somi, for Thank your time. You. It's amazing work. And uh, share it, Share this podcast with other people that you know. Um, it Really, you never know what difference can it make and... And let's support this save amazing lives. organization. Let's save save lives. lives. But just be there for each other, of right? Of course, of course. So and if you need help, here is Sami. She's uh, ready to help you. Yes. <laughs> no, more tears, <laughs> no more tears USA <laughs> dot org. Thank you, Sami. Thank
1: you, thank you.